Welcome, everybody, to Flyers High and Wide Podcast. I am your host, Jack underscore HW Radio. Uh, my other two counterparts, Jim and Kyle, have been um, cast off on another island. They're a part of Team B. I've brought in some backup today. A very popular friend of ours, uh, Dan the Flyers fan here. Uh, Dan, say hello to the people. Hello, people. Uh, Dan, it's a real pleasure to have you from Dan from Brotherly Pod, the Jim and the Angry Jim and Negative Show with Dan. Um, we've been on each other's podcast. Mostly, I've been a guest on yours actually, so it's it's a real pleasure to have you. But it's, you're more than just a guest tonight. You are an actual tag team. We are a team. You know, we are the mega powers tonight. And oh boy, I you know I couldn't think of anybody better when it came to negativity with this team than Dan, the <laughs> Negative Flyers fan. I mean. Really, when they said, we want to go up against you, I'm like, I think I can do this handicap, but no, go find somebody. I said, well, who better than Negative Dan? Um, but enough of that. This is basically our part of the Dueling Podcast. I've been looking forward to this because whenever we do a podcast, whenever I'm talking to a guest and then we talk a little bit afterwards, we always get into it about this team and Chuck Fletcher. Um, and while I don't think he's done a bad job per se – I think a lot of it out there, he's, he's done this phenomenal job. And I think there's a lot of criti- a lot of things we could critique. Um, I think the bar has been lowered due to a head coach such as Dave Haxtell, due to players such as Dale Weiss and Andrew McDonald and Leterre that you can plug in anybody and they're like, oh, we're not starting these guys anymore. You, well, you know what? We never should have. So without me getting too into it, Dan, uh, I'm going to run down Chuck Fletcher's offseason or uh, it's really since he's been with the team. And we're going to say why we think and this is 100 percent against Jim and Kyle that I don't think this team is bad per se. I just I would say they're probably slightly above average and when you look that we have no cap left and we made our quote-unquote big free agent acquisition still don't have Konechny or Provorov signed that making the playoffs could be a serious chore but going past the first or second round may be out of the realm of possibility and when you consider we're at capacity that could be a real problem so before I jump into it uh, Dan why don't you give me a just a quick rundown Basically how you feel about the team and the job Fletcher has done in the Flyers' future. I, I think you've nailed it pretty much on the head. I think he's done a good job, not a great job. You know, when he first got here, when he first took over, he did a lot of good things. You know, getting rid of Dale Wee, sending LaTerra down, um, and so on. But it's just, I think you're absolutely right. I think the fans are so brainwashed by nothing that Ron Hextall has done. You know, the, the, the nothingness, the lack of progression that any step forward is considered a victory. And maybe, and that's true. And I think you're right. The Flyers are going to be better this year. And I've said that since the beginning, the Flyers are going to be better, but you know, the Metro is a very tough division as is. It got better. The Rangers got better. The Devils got better. You know, there's two teams that were struggling. So I I think as long as uh, Pittsburgh has Crosby and Washington has Ovechkin, they're going to be threats. So I, I think while the moves put the team in the right direction, I don't know what their overall ceiling is going to be this season. And I think that's what it is. And you nailed it. Like, yeah, they're better, but they're not going to reach the next the stratosphere. Like we're never I don't see this team with these players unless Provorov becomes Nicholas Lidstrom and Konechny and Patrick become, you know, super studs. I just I don't see us in the Eastern Conference Finals unless unless, you know, an 8th seed knocks off the 1 and 2 seed like when we went to the Cup in 2010. And that team, the Flyers team that year was better than what we're looking at now. We have too many – I think Carter Hart's going to have to be Dominic Koscik for things to, to really pan wow. out for us. And even then, I don't know if we're an Eastern Conference, let alone Stanley Cup team, especially when you look at some of the talent we're going up against with teams like Boston, Toronto. Uh, and on the, the West, you got plenty of teams as well. The Blues will probably be back. I mean, they're just – I'm not even thinking, and there's plenty of amazing teams. And like you pointed, other teams – outside of Columbus, everybody else got better. Everybody. Whether they're better than us or not, I don't know. 
but I think they're set up better for the future. And a lot of that has to do with trade value. So let's get into what Chuck Fletcher has done. And like you said, a lot of people think, yeah, because we're better than last year, we're good. That's not necessarily true. The bar was so low the last two seasons and really Hextall's tenure because we were rebuilding and getting rid of dead contracts that now anything is better than what we had. But that doesn't make us good. So I'll start. Fletcher comes in. Uh, it was a quick hiring, you know, pretty much everybody thought he was another Holgram guy. They brought up Carter Hart, which I still think was more Holgram than anything. Uh, but, like, the real first move that Fletcher made was the Simmons deal, I believe. Uh, I mean, he did get rid of Weiss, but what did it matter at this point? Like, we, we he would have been a free agent, I think, maybe would have had him one more year. Instead, he traded him for Schlemko and bought out Schlemko instead of just buying out Weiss. I don't know. Uh, I don't really count that one. But the first move he did made at the deadline, he waited to the last second with a deal with Calgary. Then Simmons vetoed the trade, and he had to make a last-second trade with Nashville. I'm pretty – I think we're in agreement, Dan. When we saw this deal, even though we knew Simmons' value had taken a hit, this wasn't what we expected. And that was Simmons for Ryan Hart and a fourth-round pick in 2020 that could become a third if the Predators win the first round of the playoffs. So what were your first impressions of this trade, Dan? You know, we all knew his value wasn't high anymore. We all knew, you know, he he has stumbled tremendously over the last year, year and a half. Um, but, I mean, even at that point, you know, I thought they would get something, you know, some legitimate return out of it. And, uh, you know, here we are a couple months later, and they essentially got nothing out of him. So it's uh, probably a misstep there by Fletcher. And when you consider, and I'll just tie this in now, that – they didn't. They did not resign Ryan Hartman. They traded him for Tyler Pitlick on a one. So after this season, you would have traded Simmons for a 2024th, uh, uh, what, a, an eighth of a season of Ryan Hartman and one season of Tyler Pitlick, who by the way is already injured. I mean, that's probably worse than I could possibly imagine a return for Simmons. Um, I understand certain circumstances, but. You know, why are you have a deal in place with Calgary? Did you even ask him if he was going to go there? His, his girlfriend was pregnant, so maybe he might not want to go there. Maybe get that information first so you're not making a, a deal at the last second here, which was just an, just an oddball move. But I'll be honest, I didn't kill him for it. The first move, and this actually may have been the first move now that I think about it, was the Stolars for Talbot move, which oh. on, on – yeah, we've talked about this before – on its surface, I was a little upset, but I was like, hey, listen, this is going to be our guy going forward. Him and Carter Hart are buddy-buddy. So let me ask you this. Stolarz for Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot plays, what, two and a half games over the last one-third of the season? How did you feel about that? That, you know, I was not Cam Talbot's biggest fan going in, so, you know, <laughs> I don't really have a whole lot to uh, to pile on here. But... You know, you're trading a young guy in Anthony Stolarz who's making a comeback and was playing very well for when he was here. You know, he was being run into the ground by Dave Haxtell there in December uh, before he got hurt. And, you know, and then they bring in Cam Talbot, who played four games, I believe, as a flyer in like two, three months. It's just they handled him atrociously. You're going to get rid of somebody like Anthony Stolarz, who could have legitimately been a backup. But at this point, we don't know. For somebody like Cam Talbot, who was supposed to be the backup of the future, but you let him go because you didn't play him in any games because Scott Gordon was too concerned about keeping his job, so he's going to run Hart and Elliott in the ground first. So I think that was a disaster of a move. I was not happy with that at the time, and it clearly has not paid off now. Exactly, and and it it just it's just reeks like just it, it idiocy. Like I I mean yeah, it's it was all for Chuck Fletcher to keep his job. This guy was a starter. Hart goes down and he doesn't even play. Coach and a GM perspective, it was it was puzzling, but more so from a GM perspective because let's, let's get one thing straight about Solars. He's young, he's a goalie, he's finally starting to look good. A lot of people want to say he has chronic knee issues. Wrong. I disagree. I straight up disagree. He had one serious knee injury that while recovery, he injured again. That means it wasn't fully healed. He didn't fully heal and then get hurt again because his knees, you know, degenerative or whatever. Like it was the only you know, that was it. It was a one-time thing. It, it was a freak thing. He's come back. He's played very well. He's young. You're telling me you if you're so hard set on trading him, get a pick, get an asset. And it might not sound like anything now, but when we talk about what he did with his picks later, 
it'll make more sense. So bringing in a guy that you're going to play, I said two and a half, you said four, so we'll just say three games and just letting him walk to free agency is downright stupid. And I actually heard somebody on Twitter say it was a necessary shit trade. To that, I say there was no such thing as a necessary <laughs> shit trade. No, Any GM who thinks he needs to make a bad trade shouldn't be a GM, flat out. So I just thought this was a stupid move. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't, it's not earth moving for me, but it was a bad move. So right off the bat, his first two real trades, I'll just say were very underwhelming. But that's not the, the core of this team or anything like that. We saw free agency. I'm not losing my mind or anything. Um, so his first real offseason move, and I actually part of this I do think is a plus, but it's only fair if we talk about it. Let me know what you think about the hiring of Vigneault as our head coach. It's not his fault we couldn't get um, – what's his name in Florida now? Um, Quinville. Quinville, thank you. Uh, you know, he seemed like he wanted to go there. There's nothing we could do about that. Uh, so we got Vigneault. Uh, but also, Tarion and Yao as the assistants. And uh, bringing in Yao as assistant, we know Fletcher had a lot to do with that. So just give me your initial take on all three coaches. I like Elaine Vigneault. I'm willing to give him a chance. I think there's enough there. Uh, as far as history goes, that proves that he does have some talent as a coach. You know, shit went upside down um, during his last couple of games with the Rangers. You know, there's nothing you can do about that, but he was very successful um, in Vancouver and as well as early tenure in, uh, with the Rangers. But, man, I don't particularly care for the other two, especially Mike Yao. Uh, you know, that's Chuck Fletcher's boy in Minnesota that he held on to for about a year and a half after fans were starting to call for him to be fired. So, uh, you know, Michelle Terry, and I think he's going to – He's curious for me because he is kind of a hard-nosed guy. He's going to take care of the forwards. I hope he, you know, is able to whip guys like Jake Voracek into shape and, and you know, get him to play some decent hockey for a majority of the season rather than just 20 games or so. But um, I, I can't stand that Mike Yao is here, but I always <laughs> kind of figured that would happen sooner or later given his ties with Chuck Fletcher. Yeah, it, it was almost like silly, like a, a eye roll, of course. Like, right, who didn't yep. see this coming? And I will agree with you on one thing, and I did say this in other podcasts. Like, it felt like Alay Vigneault was, pro at least name recognition wise, was like the number two top free agent. That doesn't necessarily make him the best free agent, but he was like name recognition behind Quenville was like number two. The guy was pretty successful. He was okay in Montreal. He went to Game Seven of the Cup in Vancouver, won a President's Trophy there. Same deal in with the Rangers. No Game 7, but still took them to a cup. Believe he won a President's Trophy there as well. So this guy has some serious, you know, resume here. And I'm all about that. I think they need a real coach. I think we've seen enough of a, of a bullshit coach like we did in Hackstall. And I think Vigneault could, it is a great start. Um, it, the other two is just like, Oh, it feels like an overreaction to not having enough real coaches here. And while it's not the worst thing in the world, yeah, like I said, I roll total Fletcher move. However, I have heard he's better as an, an assistant. Apparently in Pittsburgh, he was great with the PK. So we'll see. Tarion, I was never a fan of Tarion. I, I heard his whole style of coaching was to make everybody hate him so much that they rally against him, which I guess can work. <laughs> but that feels like it has an awfully short shelf life. You know, I'm, one thing I'll say is he had P.K. Supan's Norris Trophy winning season under him in Montreal, which we'll get into P.K. Supan later. But I'm just saying, I don't see how that lasts. I don't see how you have you bring in three hard noses and you don't have one guy you can kind of like lean on. We'll see how it works. It seems like they threw their money around where they could with no cap, which I can appreciate. Um, I'm a little I'm a little nervous about that. It seems like there's too much going on there. You got two assistant coaches who probably want to get back into head coaching as soon as possible. So I don't know how that's going to affect the team. Um, like Vigneault, the other two are like, meh. I would have liked to have gotten a younger guy in there, but what do I really know about coaching? So that's not the worst thing he did this offseason. I mean, it's borderline could be good. Like I, I really don't know. It just seems like a very strange thing to bring in those two assistant coaches, uh, especially when it's like Vigneault was – or Terry was Vigneault's guy. Yao was Fletcher's guy. It's like, are we going to have a power struggle on the bench here? Like, it's kind of silly. I, I don't know. But it's coaching. We'll see. So the, the first big move, we'll say, um, they trade a fifth-round pick for the rights to Kevin Hayes. So this is the free agent that they're going to go after. Um, 
I do like the aggressiveness. It reminds me of uh, Holgram and and more so Ed Schneider. Like we want this guy, we're gonna get him. Although when Holgram did this, it didn't really work out for him. But at least you know I still like the aggressiveness regardless. That being said, the actual price on that uh, when he did sign it was seven years worth over seven point one million dollars, and I believe. We had thought he'd be getting six for six. I thought he'd be getting closer to six for 6.5, maybe a little bit more. He gets the set, an extra year and an extra $500,000 a year. Even I think it's more like six, six and a half. What was your initial thoughts on the Kevin's Hayes a trade and then signing? You know, I was never the biggest Kevin, Kevin Hayes fan to begin with. So yeah, I think my view has been tainted on the guy since he got here. But, you know, I did appreciate them going out and getting him, you know, as a restricted free uh Trading a pick, rather, to get him. I did appreciate that. You know, it shows that they had, you know, the intentions. But, man, I hate that contract. 7 by 7 one is, is insanity for a guy like Kevin Hayes, who's already 27 years old. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of knew he was going to get paid. You know, I kind of expected, you know, the anywhere from 6 to 7 years to 6 to 7 million, and this ended up being on the high side of that, uh, which is, is disappointing. I just, this feels like, a contract that's going to bite him in the ass sooner or later. You know, a lot of people have said, you know, well, Daniel, would you be happy if it was six and a half instead of seven? That's not the point. I'm more annoyed that he got tied up for seven years. You know, you got oh, pretty much everybody on the team needs contracts between now and then, you know, uh, you know, Carter Hart and Drew Couturier uh, are going to be up in a couple of years. And uh, man, it's just, it's going to be a lot of money to, uh, to pay there. And I think sooner or later, they're going to, that's going to come back and bite them. It, exactly. And the whole point of getting a second line center at this point was that you bump Nolan Patrick down and eventually he finds his game. He finds the reason why he was the number overall two pick of the draft and he supplants him. So, OK, let's say that does happen. There's two schools of thought here. It, it does happen. And you're paying your third line center seven point one million dollars for probably the next at that point four, three, four, five years which is insane, especially when you consider, as you were alluding to, the players we have to resign. Drew's going to be a free agent in two years. You're going to have to resign him, and it's still going to cost you. You're not getting that much of a deal, believe me. Real player you got to worry about is Couturier because he's been an absolute stud. Doesn't matter that he keeps getting screwed over by these NHL network lists. He's we know his worth. The real hockey men know his worth. He's after the contract he just played through. He's really going to get paid. Provorov and TK both sit here unsigned. Sanheim signed for two years at a reasonable deal, but when that deal's up, he, if he's any good, which we all think he'll be, he's going to want real money. And you got all your money. Carter Hart's going to want real decent money at the very least in two years with this restricted free agent renaissance that they're having where they only have to put in one real solid year of any work and ask for top dollar. I don't see how this is feasible. Uh, I Jim asked me, what do you think Fletcher is thinking with TK and Provorov? And my response to that was, he's probably thinking I spent all my frigging cap so quick <laughs> that I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. So I guess I'll just hold out and hope that Boston and Columbus can figure something out and get some kind of deal with them that I have something to build off of. Because right now I'm left holding, you know, I got nothing, I got nothing right now. And it's, I, I like aggressiveness, but him buying out McDonald, if had he done things differently in the offseason, wouldn't have been necessary. I mean, I don't really mind Schlemko. It's one year. But that money's kind of affecting Konechny right now, I believe. Uh, the money he sent back in the Gudis trade, to the 30% retention salary. It's like a million bucks. If you add it all up, he's, it's like $2 million this year and just dead cap space. And yeah, it's one year. But listen, these two guys aren't signed, and that's a large reason why. It's also a reason why you couldn't go get a real third-line winger, and we're looking at Pitlick or, God for God forbid, Chris Stewart or Ty Gabriel or Andrianoff, which, by the way, I haven't heard anything about the, the rookies, but before I get too off-topic here, it just, you know, I think he, he – I heard he was a wedding gift to Alain You know, he was a former – they're both former Rangers, and the only thing about that is – I don't remember – I don't think Kevin Hayes and think, oh, Elaine Vigneault. You know, I, I just don't think – oh, he, he has his system so down. They're just two peas in a pod. I don't think any of that. I didn't hear much about that. And you said this uh, before, Dan, when we talked. Like we both liked a guy like Duchesne better because we know what he is. We know what he's done. He has an actual track record. 
Kevin Hayes doesn't have that. He's probably a good defensive forward. He's probably a, a maybe a second line uh, center, maybe third. Uh, he's only scored over 50 points once, over 20 goals once, and you're paying him how much money again for how many years? Uh, at what point do you have to stand up as a GM and say, this price is just a little too much for me? So I think they went all in, and I think Kevin Hayes and his agent knew that because some of the rumors that had come out that he was looking at Phoenix or Columbus, if that's your negotiating tactic and Fletcher fell for that, that's pretty pathetic because both of those right now, I mean, Phoenix might be okay now they got Kessel. I don't really know. But you really want to go out there and test your luck? That team might not even be there in a few years. So if that's your negotiating tactic, uh, I fear for the future because that's pathetic. So, yeah, I mean, I'm glad we have the player. But when you have to look at finances so you can keep some of the other players on the team that you actually like more, Konechny, Provorov, Sandheim, you know, Myers, Kahart go down the line, this isn't a good move. It's just not a good trade. Or I'm sorry, signing. It's not. It's not good financially. So unless the cap goes up significantly, or the Seattle franchise plucks Voracek or JVR from this team, this is going to bite us, and it's going to bite us hard. Because Dan, do you really see Kevin Hart, Kevin Hayes coming out of the the gates and doing all sorts of great stuff for this team? No, not at all. And he's 27, and you know, again, he's not the picture of offense or anything like. I, to me, what they should have done with the second-line center role is found a veteran like Joe Pavelski to come in, give him a year or two, you know, let him hold the spot down, give Nolan Patrick a season to mature in a lesser role. And if he takes that role, then, you you know, next season, then you worry about finding a third-line center that you can pay less money to. I just, man, I, I can't stand this Kevin A's contract. And uh, I hope he comes in and does well, but... There's so many factors working against him at this point that I just I, I don't think he's going to uh, look the best. It's it just it, I'm nervous. Like I try to tell people, like I'm trying not to be negative, but I'm more nervous than I am negative. Yes. I'm negative because I'm nervous because if it doesn't work out, we're screwed. Yep. You don't see it, we're screwed. You know. And everybody wants to tell you, well, you you're just they made a move. Well, how? Why aren't you happy? Because I. I fucking follow the NHL and I know these players like this guy didn't play in California. He played with the New York Rangers. We saw him all the time. He was nothing to write home about, you know, and it's, you gave him everything we had to the point where it's now September. And not only is Provorov not signed, neither is TK. Like we're getting real close to, uh, to play time. Like we're going to be, they're going to be going to Prague and these two guys aren't going to be on the plane. Like it's getting serious right now, and you look and there's not a lot there's not a lot of space going around. There's not a lot of money left, even for the rookies. They're actually talking about not having Frost or Farabee make the team, even though they probably should, because of the slide rule. Because they want to save a year of their level entry deal, which I understand, but it shouldn't be that big of a deal. But it is because they don't have any money. Why don't they have any money? Well, this is part one of why they don't have any money. So if it works out, great. You look like a and ad- I wouldn't even say genius. You look adequate. If it doesn't work out, we're going to look real stupid. And I'm not talking about 10 games into the season where he looks good. Seven years. At least five of those seven years need to be pretty solid. So I'll get off of Kevin Hayes for now. Another big move they made. They traded Radko Gudis. They retained 30% of his salary, which is just over a million dollars, for the rights to – or I'm sorry, for Nis- Matt Niskanen. Two years of Matt Niskanen. Uh Niskanen as a player, I do like him. And after talking to Bill Meltzer, I like him a little bit more. I have higher hopes for a bounce back year. But, Dan, what was your initial reaction to this trade? This one I was rather happy with. Um, a lot of the the analytic people on Twitter were not happy because Gudis says good numbers and, and Niskanen you know doesn't necessarily have that at least not anymore. But you know I'm happy. I, I, Radko Gudis was nothing more than a third pair guy you can put out there for you know. 10, 12 minutes a night. I think Niskanen brings more to the table. Yes, he is 32, but, you know, it's only two years. He's getting paid a 5.7 a season, but it's only two years. There's nothing to worry about. I think whether he's a bounce back year or not, I don't know, but he, he, he wasn't bad last season. He took a step down from the kind of semi-elite role that he's been on uh, since his days in Pittsburgh. But overall, I really liked the move. I think it was a necessary improvement on the defense. I absolutely agree, and I had said this in a, a little emergency podcast I had done last week. 
I feel like if anybody could fill that the shoes and not fully, but more of an actual veteran presence, not this bullshit McDonald's stuff they've been feeding us for the last five years, like an actual veteran presence on the blue line, like Tiemann was, and even in his like the twilight of his career, like Niskanen could do that. The guy's won a cup. He's still good. He, as Meltzer had pointed out, he took a serious hit to the head and kind of played through it, like didn't miss much time. And his play noticeably dropped after that. Like, and then you go back two years. Could you have gotten Niskanen for Gouda straight up? Like, please. Not even close. So even if he's, his play isn't perfectly back, his presence alone, his actual uh, veteran presence will be valuable. And that's a, that's a move I can get behind. I don't think it's a huge win on the Flyers' part or anything like that. No. But I do think it was a good move. I think the Capitals were cap-stricken and needed to do something, and I think we capitalized. Like I said, we didn't kill them in the deal, but um, this is one of the moves. This and what was the, and the uh, Vigneault moves were probably my two favorite moves of the offseason. Um, so with that, I'll move on to one of the moves I probably hated the most. And I just want to point out, I don't hate the player. I'm big on trade value, and that was the acquisition of Justin Braun. We gave up a 2019 second and a 2020 third. Um, anybody who likes the draft knows this is a terrible trade. It was a one, you're getting a guy who's at the very least slightly above a pylon and is not, and it's a one year deal and he doesn't do much for you except for play a little bit of defense and he's actually a defenseman. A lot of people told me, well, look what he did in the draft. He recouped that second. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, and oh, my favorite part there was a lot of teams in on Braun. I mean, I'm not an insider or anything, but that was news to me. I had never heard of Braun before. I really didn't think he was that good. I look at that contract. I look at San Jose re-signing Carlson to a mega deal and hearing rumors that they wanted to re-sign Thornton Pavelski. And at the time, um, not Pavelski, I'm sorry, Thornton and Marlowe, who had been bought out by Carolina after the trade, and even Pavelski was still lurking around then before he had signed with Dallas. Um, those were all the names they were looking. Nenquist was was out there. The guy that went to Colorado, he's a weird name, starts with a D. Like they had a lot of free agents, a lot of real talent that they wanted to resign. This team was right up against the cap, and they knew it. And anybody with a brain cell takes advantage of that. So it, I just find it odd that we overpaid. I think we overpaid. I think they had a price and a Flyers up the price just to beat out everybody else, just to say that they did. And now I'm being told that, well, a lot of people like this player. Well, that doesn't make him a good player. I think it's a bad value trade, and I, I just I just don't think it's worth it. And this is one move that I get killed on a lot because it's like, oh, it's draft picks. What does that mean? Well, a lot of really good teams like Tampa Bay built their team on draft picks. and I know they won a cup, but they're pretty damn good. Wouldn't you say, wouldn't you want to be Tampa Bay instead of hoping to catch lightning in a bottle like another team? So, no pun intended with Tampa and Lightning. But, Dan, what was your uh, original thoughts on the Braun deal? This one had me feeling very much like it did with the Stolars Talbot deal, where I was just kind of like, what the fuck? You know, it's just, it happened, you know, and, and I knew of Justin Braun. I knew he was just kind of a fella. You know, he, he does eat some hard minutes, so it's fine. But, you know, you got to clog the blue line as it is. And bringing in somebody who may be better than Robert Haig, and that's it. It just seems odd. Um, it's only one year. I don't mind the draft pick trading. You know, I, I at this point, it was time to part ways. I wished they would have used it on a smarter player rather than Justin Braun. Maybe, you know, kept Niskan in a way and brought in one really good defenseman rather than two okay defensemen. But, uh, it's going to be a crowded blue line, even without Provorov, if he holds out. So I'm not entirely sure what they were thinking with this one, but it was just kind of one of those moves that just kind of left me shaking my head because I don't know what the end game is. And, and the most I ever, I got out of this was Bill Marks was telling me that the game plan that Fletcher so far has had its goals against. And it's understandable. This team is ridiculous with giving up goals with a bad, pretty bunch of bad defense and terrible goaltending. But you got Carter Hart now. You got your young guys coming up. Did you really have to reshape the defense like this, or could you have done it differently? Uh, you look at two trades that the Devils made, both of which are very similar to the Braun deal. Uh, obviously, they gave up more, but they got P.K. freaking Supan 
Uh, they, I believe they gave up two seconds, a, a player around the Lawton level and a defenseman around the Hag level. You're telling me you wouldn't make a deal like that or a similar deal with all the prospects we have to get P.K. Saban at three years? I mean, you could you could make room for his nine million dollars because it's only three years. It's not a big deal, and he's he is an electric defenseman. Oh, who by the way had a Norris winning trophy season under Michelle Terrian. Like the, the the stars not align here. I don't get that. But okay, you're not a Supan, you're not a Supan guy. Okay, I get it. Uh, let's talk value. Let's take the guy who has lit up the KHL. And I know a lot of people want to come out and yell at me about all the guys who were the best players not in the NHL. Uh, but, you know, Pe- uh, what the hell's his name? Panarin's pretty good. You know, I think I think he's doing all right. You know, he came, he came from Russia. Like, there are guys you can get o- overseas from the KHL who are studs. And if I'm going to take a chance on a second and a third, which is pretty much the same exact trade the Devils made, I'd re- much rather have the guy who could be a, a six, 50 to 60-point scoring winger than I would a one-year pylon defenseman. And that's what irks me about the value of this trade. It just felt like they had there was other people interested and they had to win, so they overpaid. Meanwhile, you got a real GM in New Jersey making smart moves. Both, they, I mean, you look at their offseason, you look at ours, take Jack Hughes away. They made smarter smarter moves, smarter decisions. Their future, if they had the piggy bank that we had, they could really they could really be in business. And it just irks me, and people just are blind to that. Like, I argue with this all the time with Jimmy and Kyle. I'm like, Dude, it, okay, say what you will. It's a bad trade. It was a bad value trade. Oh, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Well, I fucking care because I like picks. Like, I like picks. You can actually use those picks and either draft a good player – uh, oh, Carter Hart was drafted in the second round. You know, Alex DeBrincat was drafted in the second round. Like, these guys are becoming more available now. You traded up and got Bobby Brink in the second round, and we all think he's going to be Cole Caulfield light. And it's like you can either do that or you can go get real players. Devils, they got Grabner at, and Patrick Maroon at the deadline one year for second and third round picks. Supan, Nyquist, like these are the guys I'd rather roll the dice on than one year of Braun. And it just, it's stupid and it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, maybe if he was making less money, that, although it's one year, so I'm not going to kill it. But that's just it. He's 32, he's 31, 32 years old. What's he going to do? Get better? He's trending downwards. So now he's going to suddenly get better at his age? No. I mean, they had, they signed him for a one year, $4 million deal. What do I care? You know, but they gave up legitimate assets, and it's not so much worried about it now because, it, yes, they did recoup the pick in the draft. But if this is a sign of things to come for how Fletcher treats his his assets, uh, we're going to get real thin real quick, and that's what makes me nervous. Um, so I'll move on. Um, so they shocked us with a real random trade here. Uh, they did trade Ryan Hartman for Pitlick. Um, Pitlick's on a one-year deal, $1 million, and Hartman signed with Minnesota – for only two years, $1.9 million. Dan, how did you take all this Hartman stuff into effect? Did you even think he was going to get traded, or what was going through your head? I figured it probably came down to cap space at the end of the day, and now, granted, the contract he signed in Minnesota um, is not that big, but I believe it had something to do with qualifying him or, or such. But, you know, I don't know who Tyler Pitlick is. I've heard of him. I don't particularly, you know, think he's going to be anything special. Um He'll probably be the new Yorila Terra soon enough. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. I don't particularly think Ryan Hartman had a huge ceiling. I think he did bring some energy to the lineup. But, you know, it's just another one of those moves that really just kind of cancels out. I mean, I I do agree with what you're saying. And if it did come down to uh, the cap, it's kind of sad that we're already at that point where a guy has to sign for on the open market, mind you. He gets a two-year deal not even worth $4 million, like 3.8, 1.9 a year, and we couldn't we couldn't squeeze that in. <laughs> like, like, that's how bad we're already at with our cap? That's pretty sad. That's just It's just bad cap management. It's not – you don't like Hartman, fine, but I you did trade for the guy. So you think having traded Simmons for only a fourth well, – yeah, we all hope to be a third, but that was kind of – I thought originally thought it was Hartman in a second, which I could have been more on board with. The pick was weak. Very weak. So Hartman was kind of the guy we were leaning on. And, he, and he's out of here. You can't. You don't want to pay him. 
and he did he did make mistakes like he absolutely but he was still a first round pick he has over 20 goals already I mean, the Flyers think that's worth $7.1 million. I mean, that's Kevin Hayes, like, you know, Ryan Hart and Kevin Hayes. What do they both have in common? They each have one year of scoring 20 goals. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, I thought this team was looking for goal scoring. So I understand having issues with the guy, but that's why he's only making $1.9 million. So that was just, it was just mind boggling. Now we're being told Pitlick is just putting what talent he's going to produce. Well, we'll see. The guy can't even stay healthy. So, um, Another move that was made, and everybody loved this at the time, and I, I honestly feel like I'm the only person who's worried about it. They re-signed Sanheim to a two-year deal worth 3.25 for each year. Now, on its surface, that's good for now. It's cheap. But after those two years, he's going to enter a rest- restricted free agent core with our, just the Flyers free agents that it's going to be pretty impossible to re-sign all of all those players. So let me just take a quick look at my notes here. So I should have had this laid out. He's going to be a free agent. Let's see. First line, second line. Where are you? With the likes of Carter Hart, Felipe Myers, and I think possibly in the very next year after that, Drew and Couturier. And they still haven't signed Proveroff and Konechny. So while on the surface, this looks like a really good deal short term, I think it really bones us going in, in two years. What was your initial thoughts on this, Dan? You know, I've heard a lot of people this summer say, oh, you know, don't worry about the cap space. Things change in a couple years down the line. It's whatever. But, you know, you pull this up and it's like you got Konechny and Provorov still. Next summer, you have Patrick Lindblom and Myers. And then you got, the year after that, you have Travis Sanheim, Carter Hart, and the expansion draft in summer 2021. And then the year after that, you got Giroux and Couturier. Plus, you still got friggin' Kevin Hayes for $7.1 million. You know, there's so many bodies that need to be re-signed, you know. And then you got Frost and Farabee coming up on the horizon. If they're as good as everybody says they are, then they're going to be, you know, some cap space. There's so many people that have shrugged off the cap space, you know, in the coming seasons. But I've been very, very worried about that because, you know, I'm not a math genius or anything. But, uh, you know, it doesn't take a lot to look at these numbers and figure that this is not going to add up. And you see how slowly the cap is rising. Like, we're (laughs) – unless there's some serious shit with this next lockout – which it doesn't sound like it's going to be cap-wise anyway. We'll see. Uh, but it just sounds like players are going to get more money, not that we're going to have more cap to work with. And it's it's going to be tough. I, I just don't know how you don't lay this out, and just how I did, just by using the internet, and just see, hey, we might run into a problem here. We need to think of something here. And they don't. And it's like, now both Provorov and Connecting are talking bridge deals. Well, that <laughs> If they're two and three years as well, then we're really screwed, really screwed. Can you imagine adding Konechny or Provorov to any of those lists you just named of any of those years? Like, we would be absolutely boned. I don't see how that makes any sense. We're losing somebody. There's no doubt in my mind the way this has been played. We pretty much just traded uh, Kevin Hayes for, could be Sandheim, could be, I don't, I don't think most people care if it's Ghost, but he's on a reasonable deal. That's what people seem to forget. He has a reasonable deal. So we're, we're going to lose somebody we like because of this. We're already not going to see Frost or Farabee unless they score a hat-trick in every game in the preseason because of the slide rule, because they already know they have to save money because they know they already fucked up the cap. And it, it just it blows my mind, and people just want to give them a pass. Oh, you wanted them to add somebody. Is it so much to ask that they like use their head and add somebody that doesn't uh, affect the rest of their team? Yeah. Like, Is that really that much to ask for? Because I've seen Steve Yeiserman do it. I've seen... Uh, what's his name with the Devils do it? I've seen other teams do it plenty of times. I've seen teams that have – Chicago. Look at Bowman out there. He's got guys making oodles of money and some of which aren't even good anymore. And he still manages to make trades and smart decisions and keep that team somewhat competitive. They got three cups already. So they're like feeling the effects from that. And they're almost just as competitive. The Flyers are now sitting on nothing. So if the fact you can't look at that and realize that there's a serious disconnection there, you're not paying attention. You're a fan. There's a difference between a true, true like fan and a fanboy. And fanboys will tell you that whatever this team does is perfect. And that's a joke. You're not paying attention. You don't know what you're talking about. And I dare you to bring to come against me and give me what you got. You either work for the team or you're a fanboy. And that's that's what blows my mind. This is yes, the team is better. 
And that's where they get you. Oh, well, the team's better. They made moves. Yeah, the team is better. Is it a Stanley Cup contender? You cannot look me in the eye and say yes to that. They're not. Are they anywhere near Tampa, Toronto, or Boston? Get out of here. They're not even as good as Pittsburgh, who's trending downwards. Washington's still better. Hell, in due time, those the Devils and the Rangers could be better. We're not even talking about the Western Conference yet. This team's going to have serious problems and serious holes, and the only thing that can save it is if Carter Hart is the next coming of Christ. And by Christ, I mean Dominic Hasek. And, and it's not, probably not going to happen. I mean, that's such a – goalies are voodoo. We've seen, like, Robert Luongo – or um, not well, I mean, he was pretty good, but not Luongo. Uh, Rick DiPietro, number one pick of the draft for the Islanders. He was supposed to be that good. He was the first overall pick of the draft. I wouldn't call him a complete bust, but he really didn't play that long or that well while he did play. I think he made one or two All-Star games. Was never a Vesna-type goalie. And on top of that, like Mark Andre Fleury was a top goalie. That Pittsburgh team isn't winning those cups without Crosby and Malkin. Let's get real here. It, Fleury had some good performances, but he didn't carry them to no cup. Let's get real, you know. And it, it, so, unless Carter Hart is Dominic Hasek, <laughs> I don't see how this current makeup of, of the team is going to get you to that next level. And that's what these boneheads don't understand and it gets me fired up because it's stupid like you all you got to do is break down the numbers and their performance of what you see and you know that this team they're not a contender and we got nothing left to make them a contender and that's where the problem is so before i get too off the rails here um so they re-signed lawton two years 2.3 i feel like that was a necessary move like anything jump at it with you about that one dan that was a good deal i was perfectly fine with it Hmm. Solid player, two years. I don't see him in two more years suddenly demanding five million or anything. So it is what it is. Um, <laughs> one player that people see of all the offseason moves, this move seemed to get people really lit a fire under their ass. So they signed Elliott one year, two million dollars. We know, at least I know, he's the backup. How did you feel about this, Dan? I this is probably my biggest complaint of the summer thus far. I cannot believe they went back to Brian Elliott. <laughs> I just backup goaltending should have been priority number 1. You know, you should not be throwing Carter Hart into the fire just yet by himself and somebody like Brian Elliott who's had two major surgeries and three injuries over the last season and a half uh, you know, is going to come in and back the guy up. You know, if Hart goes down with an injury, then you're stuck with Brian Elliott and friggin' Alex Lyon. Then you're in trouble. If Brian Elliott goes down, then you're stuck with Carter Hart and Alex Lyon. And you have to rely solely on Carter Hart. And I just don't think they should put as much of a workload on this could as on this kid's shoulders as they are already. And it, it worries me greatly, and I feel like this is going to come back to bite them. There was, you know, a relatively weak goaltending market this year, but, you know, considering Chicago got Robin Lanier for one year, and granted it's $5 million, and the Flyers don't have that anymore because they gave it to fucking Kevin Hayes, but, you know, <laughs> they, they could have could have addressed this in a smarter way, and I just think it's going to bite them sooner or later. Well, that's a good point, and, and what it really comes down to is Cam Talbot. Like, we all thought that was yes. the deal, yeah. and he they seem to be doing it right in Calgary, where at least he's like a 1A right now. That's kind of what I thought we'd see here. I think if Carter Hart gets injured, this team is screwed regardless, although Cam Talbot would have looked a lot better. Uh, I do think they, they believe one of these young rookies is going to, uh, whether it's Sandstrom or Ustaminko or Arison, not this year. They were a little. I think they should have done more this year, but maybe next year that they felt comfortable going one year with Elliott just to get him through. But the guy is injury prone. It's pretty bad, and it's not like he hurt. You know, it's his core. Like what's worth? You say what's worth in the, somebody's knee? Uh, you know, when you're talking about a goalie, when they're all bot butterfly goalies now, your core. So I could see that being a real problem. I don't mind it as much as a backup. But yeah, if he if Elliot gets injured and it's kind of they start playing Carter Hart way too much, like you were saying, giving him that workload, that could be a problem. I don't want him to lose confidence. I don't want him to start getting injured. Um, they could have done better there, but we were all looking at the better option of Cam Talbot. And I don't know if he was adamant about going to free agency the second they got him. Either way, they didn't play the guy enough to, for us to really know anyway. So they they screwed that right from the get go. Um, I understand not being a huge fan of this. It just of all the moves, I don't think this team is a playoff is a uh, contender this year. So it doesn't bother me as much as some of the other ones because I think they had lasting implications. Um, 
uh, this is one I can get over, but you you do make some good points. They could be screwed if, if he gets hurt or uh, if Hart does get hurt, even if it's for a short time and Elliot has to get jump in and he gets hurt and now Carter Hart's coming back from injury or Lions in there. Yeah, that could derail season real quick. So that's definitely something. But like I said, it just comes back to Talbot, which is a joke. Um, so after all of that, it leaves them roughly $13.5 million left for TK and Provorov. And when you consider the numbers being talked, I think Provorov wants eight or more, uh, and TK wants around five, five and a half. Um, that's right at that 13 number. <laughs> it's like 12. It's, it's close. Um, that's scary because there's a lot of guys that we've already alluded to that need to be re-signed, and you're already at your cap. And are we talking bridge deals with these guys? So I... Uh, it's now September. I'll ask you, Dan, where are you at with this whole TK and Provorov thing? Man, I have a feeling Provorov is probably going to drag out at least into the beginning of this season. Uh, it just seems like they're pretty far apart. You know, the rumors that he wants, you know, eight anywhere from eight to ten million dollars a season is is insanity. But they're out there, and Connecty is very difficult. And quite frankly, I think that's the issue with a lot of these players uh, this season and next, and quite for the next couple of years is they're difficult contracts to uh to guess you know the Sanheim contract was pretty good and, you know I, I'm not liking that it was a bridge deal I think they would have been better off trying to give him a Gospier type deal and lock him down as long and as cheap as they could but you know they're gonna have to pay Ivan Provorov in two years they're gonna have to pay Travis Sanheim you know I hope they can get away kind of lowball and connecty but given the fact that he's held out till you know early September now, I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, again, you have Patrick Lindblom and Myers next summer. And those are three more difficult contracts that, as of right now, are very hard to predict. So it's just, it's hard to kind of know where these numbers are going to go. I think Provorov is probably going to end up at, at least 8 by 8 uh, Konechny will probably end up in the five years, maybe anywhere from 4 to $6 million, really, I think is a little bit more uh, difficult to predict. But uh, hopefully this doesn't, uh, you know choke them out too badly in too short term but uh this cap scenario is something i'm not a fan of at the moment yeah i mean <clears throat> i believe i stole this from you dan when i was on your podcast after the uh, after the draft but you said all the years that hextall spent you know sacrificing himself to yeah. get us out of cap hell fletcher took 10 minutes to get us just ruin it all get us right back into it and that's what it is. And it's like a lot of it's like, well, well, this guy's when Niskanen or Braun is off the team, we're going to get that money. But what they don't understand is you're taking that money that we just talked about to pay this this guy that who's already on our team. How do you fill the hole that Braun left, that Niskanen left? Oh, we'll just bump up all the young kids. So you're telling me that in only two years' time, you're going to have a blue line of Provorov, Myers, Sanheim, Ghost – uh, Hag, Moran, and then you're hoping that Zamula and maybe Cam York are pushing for roster spots. That to you is a, a, a Eastern Conference or President's Trophy defensive core. Mm, that's an awful lot of what ifs. And I, I know we don't all are in agreement that we don't like Hag. So you're hoping that Cam York, who was it's a whole nother story, but like we're hoping that he's a, a stud. You're hoping that Myers is literally the best possible scenario. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure ghost had a pretty poor season Provorov for all the money. He once had a pretty poor season. The only one who had a good season was Sanheim. Myers had about what? 10 games decent. So we're hoping for an awful lot of thumbs up from these players that we really don't know much about. And on top, that's just your defense. If Carter Hart is, just let's just say adequate. You look at your offense. If you can even keep them together, are they even Eastern Conference worthy? Are they really contending for their own conference or their own division at this point? Uh, I would hope so. But can you really say with confidence? Yes. If you can, you're full of shit. Because yeah. these other teams have studs. Panarin, that's a stud. You know, Capo, Jack Hughes, Supan, you know, Taylor Hall. Those guys are studs. Drew's getting older. Board checks everybody's hit list at this point. Patrick has been a little bit of a bust to this point. I don't want to kill him, but he has. Kevin Hayes, when you looked at uh, the Rangers, was he a stud? Come on. Like, really? 
No, like when you look at this team, who are our studs? Like our true studs, because the rest of the NHL doesn't recognize them. Drew gets a nod every now and then, but that's it. So who's going to get us over? Who's going to carry the load? Yeah, I, I don't see it. I don't. I don't see it. I don't see why they're so excited. I think they're excited because the team was so piss poor with bottom of the barrel guys, guys that you acquire in trades just so you can get the piece you really want, like Latere. Like, I really want these two first-round picks, so I'll, I'll take Latare off your hands. People don't understand that. Well, our team's better than, than those guys. And as I said before, if the bar is that low, yeah, you're right. We are better. And it's exciting not to have to watch them anymore. I still don't see how that puts us up there with the top of the league, the cream of the crop. We don't have Brad Marchand or Bergeron or Char or Rass. Hopefully we have something in Carter Hart, but really I don't see that player. That play, those guys, they break out almost right away. And a lot of our guys had down years. So I, I don't see where all this optimism is coming from outside of the fact that we don't have the bottom of the barrel guys and we have somewhat adequate guys who we overpaid all of them. So, yeah, will we be better? Sure. But ultimately the goal for me is to see a cut before I die. And <laughs> I, I don't – Time's I don't running see, out. Well, <laughs> you know what? I might have to live through another another uh, rebuild is what it feels like oh, because – that's a little – that's definitely pessimistic for sure. But I don't – can somebody honestly talk me into how this team either is or will be a cup contender? Because even with the young kids coming in, if they don't kill it in their rookie contracts, how are we even keeping them? How are we even keeping some of the guys we have or like? I don't see it. And outside of some serious, serious bargaining with the players negotiation and the NHL and – Unless they get some cap like baseball, I, I don't see how the Flyers turn this team into a cup contender. So, Dan, I'll ask you at this point, we've we talked about all of Chuck Fletcher's moves to this point, where we're at, what the team looks like. What are your final thoughts on this uh, this Flyers offseason and what you think they're going to do this season and going forward? You know, I've said it since the very beginning of the summer, and they're going to be better. I mean, quite frankly, it's going to be hard to be worse than the shit team they were last year. But, Jesus Christ, at this point, it's just, I, I don't think they're going to be a dominant force in the Eastern Conference. You know, I think you can rule out Columbus, but everybody else, you know, all summer long I've heard people give the Flyers every benefit of the doubt. You know, oh, Hayes is going to be great, and Sanheim and Myers are going to, you know, take major steps, and Niskan and Braun are going to return, and Elliot's going to be fine, and Hart's going to, you know, be freaking Marty Rodor in his prime. And then... The same people discredit every single move the other teams have made. Oh, Panarin's not that good, and Truba's not that good, and, and Hughes isn't an introvert, and Subban is old, and, you know, what have you. And it's just, I don't I don't see it that way. The Flyers are going to be better, but this is a stacked division. And looking over at the conference, you got, you know, Boston, Tampa, and Toronto to deal with. You know, over there that you would probably play in the playoffs at some point, especially if they fall into a wild card spot. You know, and you got the Sabres and Canadians that if they play their cards right, they could be wild card teams. This is not going to be, you know, a, a nice walk through the freaking daisy field over here to, to make the playoffs this year. It's going to be tough, and I'm not sure that they built a team to make them competitive now, and the moves that they made now have hurt them in their near future. And it's just... You know, they got to go all in sooner or later, and I just don't think they've done that yet. Very well said, Dan, and that's exactly it. Not a whole lot to, to make them stand out now. You can't even say to the team, well, they're going for it now. You can't say that with this team. They've done a lot to make themselves better, but that's just about it. They were a C, and now they're a B. Yep. And maybe if things fall their way, they're a B plus. But when most of the teams you got to beat are A's and A pluses, I'm looking at Tampa when I say that, especially with the acquisitions they made this year, how, how are you going to get over that hump? Like maybe, maybe you can Cinderella story it and beat a team better than you in a round or two. But do you see this team grinding it through? I don't. They don't have enough. The guys, the older guys, don't have enough playoff experience, and the younger guys don't have any experience. And a lot of them have a just. They just know losing. They know the Hackstall McDonald era of this team, where if you didn't make the playoffs, you're getting annihilated. You're getting embarrassed, like against Washington when you go down three zero. 
you know, and you get blown out and get or Pittsburgh the Penguins. Lost, yeah, the Penguins they lost four games to two. But was that game? Was that series ever really close? No, I know it was tied at times. But when you lose seven to one, do you ever really feel like you're in the series? I believe yeah. it was the third period of game two and the first two periods of game three were the only time in that entire series that the Flyers had any kind of control. Exactly. And you could almost count it on your, your watch. Like it was, you know, it's while well, they've had it control way too long. They're about to lose it. And it just the other team, the you know, Pittsburgh just unloads a flurry of goals against them yeah. to the point where it's embarrassing. Oh, yeah. Like when they're shooting, it feel it really does feel like, you know, the Flyers are shooting with a beach ball and they're shooting with a golf ball. Like it was it was that embarrassing. And that just oh, that really just go in again. Is anybody paying attention? Does everybody just check out? And that, that's the culture that's been built around this team because they just held on to dumb Hackstall for so long because they held on to dumb players they, they acquired in deals to make them better for the future but played them like they were their second and third line guys in key situations. Don't get me started on the idiot who is Andrew McDonald. He's a great guy, but he shouldn't be out there in the third period when you're protecting a lead or trying to make it to overtime. Like, come on. So, I mean, like we were saying, yeah, this team is better. Anybody with a brain cell can see that. There's better players on this team. But if you put this team pound for pound against other teams, and you just look at the names, you look at the coaches, you look at the records and success, how can you say they really should beat this team or should beat that team? Anybody, I would challenge anybody to say that this team is a cup contender. Anybody. There is no way in, they've improved but does anybody care about winning the cup or do you just feel about being better than last year? Because if that's the case, then my goals are different than yours. What I want is different than what you want. You're exactly what the Flyers are asking for. And good luck with your Santa sacks because I actually want to see a Stanley Cup and nothing. I'll accept nothing less. And that's why I get riled up because I can see this. I've seen this happen before. I've seen it with happening with other teams and other sports. This was not managed well. It's not all Fletcher's fault. I will say that. These these restricted free agents are asking for too much, but it doesn't look good for the future. We're not a team that anybody's afraid of, even with all our acquisitions. We are not. I've seen other teams or other people who are outside the Flyers bubble who are fans of other teams rank us. If you got to be 16 or above to make the playoffs, theoretically, we're down in the 20s. The 22s, the 23s. Like, they don't even think we're a playoff team after we did all that. Well, if that's the case, there's something seriously wrong. Seri- if this team doesn't even make the playoffs this year, can you imagine the firestorm? And that's le- that could happen. There's no reason to think it couldn't. So I, I don't I don't see where all this optimism comes from. And if it just comes from there's no Weisleter or McDonald or Hackstall, then while I agree with you, you need to set your, your bar a little higher because – all that's going to get you is maybe a playoff berth, maybe a round one victory if you get a decent enough matchup. But if you think this team is going to take the next step because you added Kevin Hayes and Matt Niskanen, you're crazy. Yep. And even if they did, I, I don't. You think Braun or Niskanen is going to be around for much of that? You think Hayes is going to be able to keep his play? Like you said, he's already 27. By the time we get these rookies acclimated in here and somehow figure out the cap, part of which his contract is ruining. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's going to come down to one player, and it's Carter Hart. That uh, Everything's going to be on the line with Carter Hart. And to be honest, Dan, what you alluded to, having Elliott as his backup is not going to help him in the short term and may hurt him in the long run as well. So if you want to be optimistic, you're exactly what the Flyers organization is looking for. So you buy those tickets, you go to those games, you support this, this mediocrity. But until this team actually proves that they can win and win consistently – which I haven't seen since a lot of different players were on this team. I don't see how this is a team you can get super excited about. And what I think it is, Dan, honestly, you and I want to see them win a cup, and a lot of other people just want to see them do better than they did last year. And that that's about it. Yep. So a lot of them think they can just make it to the tournament and make a run. Well, uh, while that is possible, it's been how many years since we won a cup? So I don't know if that's feasible. I think you should actually build a juggernaut of a team. And I don't think – I think that dream is gone now because the cap is gone. And this is your team. This is – everybody who's on the current roster now outside of a few names, this is your Philadelphia Flyers going forward for at least the next five, six years. And you better hope that they can pull something out of their hat because if I think we might be looking at more purgatory. Maybe slightly better. Maybe we are 
maybe we do make the playoffs every year. Maybe we get bounced in the second round instead of the first round. But I don't see us going it much further than that. And if you can think otherwise, please come at me. Please. I would love to hear your reasoning. So. So with that, I guess we'll wrap it up, Dan. I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing your thoughts. Uh, I know we're very much in agreement, and rightfully so. Uh, I hope everybody would listen to this podcast as well as Kyle and Jim. I'm really curious to see what they said over there. Uh, I have a feeling they may have just shit on me more than they did the Flyers. (laughs) Or more than pumped up the Flyers. may have shit on me more than they did pump up the Flyers. Um, So, Dan, uh, before we get off here, uh, any shout-outs? Where can they reach you? Oh, well, you can find me on Twitter at DanTheFlyerFan, and you can find uh, the site at BrotherlyPuck and the podcast at Brotherly underscore pod. I will be back uh, tomorrow night with a brand new season of the Angry and Negative Show. That's right, the return of the Angry Negative Show. Uh, angry Jim will hopefully be angry again, and I sure, I'm sure he will be because I agree with you, Dan, and I do think that <laughs> the Flyers will give him a reason to be angry even though he's putting his best foot forward. God bless him. Um, with that, you can reach me at Jack underscore HW Radio, my cohorts Jim, Jim underscore HW Radio, and of course Kyle at, at WarnerKyle29, and our site itself at, at HW underscore Radio. Please look, we have a lot of great interviews coming up. We're hoping to talk to uh, a couple more Flyers prospects, maybe the equipment manager and Jim Evers and Brian Prop and Jason Martinez from 97.5. We'll see what's going on. We will still bring you content as usual. And with that, Dan, I would like to thank you one more time for agreeing with me on everything. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure people will not believe me when I say this, but go Flyers. <laughs>